get her out of here. Get her out of our set. She's fine. Hello, everyone. This is Jay, and I'm joined by my wife, Maddie, and we are hosting Our Kids Asleep, a podcast about all kinds of shit shows and movies and music and pretty much what it's like to be a tired parent at the end of the week. So if you're joining us for the first time, we'd like to welcome you and we hope that you have a good time. But we're going to do a couple of things today. We're going to talk about a status report of what's going on uh, with us trying to stay busy during this quarantine. And also, we would like to talk about Shit's Creek. So we're going to try to do this in the most delicate way possible for some of our friends who might be out there uh, just in in the process of catching up with the show. So if you're not caught up yet on Shit's Creek, we're going to tell you when we're going to start talking about it, any kind of spoilers and all that. So please feel free to listen. And then when that time comes, you just throw your headphones at the wall <laughs> and run screaming. Stuff your fingers in your ears and sing loudly. That's right. And that is, by the way, the voice of my wife, Maddie, who has not spoken <laughs> up until this point. <laughs> what an asshole am I? Just I'm completely taken over. See, this is the thing. The reason I don't like the beginning is that it. It's just you. It's just me like blah, blah, blah. Mm. What do you think? I mean, is this? I know it's it's obviously. Oh, she's gonna sit on your cup of water. Come on, I'm sorry, guys. We are joined by our cat, uh, <laughs> Phoebe, who ruins everything. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess we can talk about it later. But it it feels like a like a big time commitment for me to just be up here. <laughs> well, you, you have know, to introduce the show. Riffing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to introduce the show. I don't think that's a bad thing. Just over here hyperventilating. <laughs> we got we got guests and my cats. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> but it's not story hour with, with uh Jaime. It's actually just uh time with us. So <laughs> let's let's keep rolling. But I, I did wanna mention something really quickly that is pretty cool. I don't know how this this came to be, but this morning I came downstairs to our basement where I normally have my office space, and I noticed that it was a horrible shit show, a land of despair, (laughs) and I decided we can't go on like this, and I told Maddie that I would be moving a couple of things around, shuffling, you know, our, our existing items here all over the place, and cleaning up, more importantly. So, halfway through the day... Maddie actually comes down to the basement and we have this more open kind of floor plan down here. Uh, We reshuffled things enough successfully that it now felt like a really comfortable place to kind of chill. Mm -hmm. Whereas before that wasn't the case. And suddenly Maddie and I look at each other right after that and we say, now we have to podcast down here. Yeah. Now we have to really enjoy it. You know, we can actually enjoy ourselves being down here because we're sitting right now on on this couch that was courtesy of of Dust Jones over at Spear Productions, and we are also here using uh, the mic stands. Who were uh, I guess we're going to sponsor Jess. We're just going to say thank you, Jess, <laughs> of uh, a better beauty business for uh, hooking us up with some of this stuff. And uh, we're now in a in a super comfortable place to do this podcast from the comfort of our home, and we couldn't have done it without uh, our friends. Uh, so thank you guys very much. And now we're super comfortable, so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be like the Rolls Royce of podcasting <laughs> in my podcasting from basement. A, podcasting from a couch is ideal. 
Yeah, it really is. It feels like your most honest thoughts just come right to the forefront. <laughs> I feel so bare right now, mm. but I am wearing clothes, so nothing, you know, no reason to be alarmed. <laughs> but we were going to talk about how much Maddie has been reading. So if you guys don't know Maddie, she is uh, extremely aggressively... <laughs> So I'm uh, an aggressive reader. <laughs> That's like, a really good way to put I, it. I hear you screaming in the corner and you're reading Nook <laughs> because it's happening at like the ideal rate, which is like 90 words a second uh, <laughs> with you, which is great because I'm, I'm just so overjoyed that, that we have that here in our home that um, we're able to kind of encourage that for our kids. But really the point being is I just wanted to, to give you the floor and, um, Maybe you could give us an update on what you're reading because you're you've been having a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Um, so that quarantine life is real, and uh, despite the fact that I'm working, I'm still working. I, you know, we're not going out as much. We're not right. socializing as much. So uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of my time downtime is spent reading, um, and because the public library in our town is closed right now um my main source of new books i don't generally buy new books i haven't in a long time mm -hmm. so i use the library pretty frequently it's just it's free like why not right and now but you're more partial to to paperbacks like actually yeah. getting the the book yeah i'm physically I'm in your very hands much uh I very much prefer going to the library, picking up a book, the actual paper book. Yeah. Um, but I can't do that right now. So mm -hmm. I have been using the library app, the Libby app, which I think is used all over the country. Like it's just a library database app and mm -hmm. you use your, your, um, so they give you your your um a, like a login because you have your library card. Yeah, so, your library card is your login. So mm -hmm. now you're you're reading on the tablet. Mm -hmm. And it's, how it, it took some getting used to, but it's convenient and it's a good resource right now. Um, Will you still take books. that over over the paperbacks, like the I the think, physical copy? I mean, I think I'll use it more mm -hmm. um, now that I'm I've gotten used to using it, but I don't think it'll completely replace paper books for me mm -hmm. um it is more convenient in terms of just it's just less work i mean you just <laughs> you got it <laughs> you with click you. a button yeah. and it's there and then you click a button and it's returned you can renew it easily it's it's easy but there are limits to the digital lending library so you can't find everything digitally yeah um but at the same time you know it is really helpful right now mm -hmm. so um so what are you reading? I've read I've read quite a few things in the last uh, month, two months or so. Um, I've read almost all three of the Crazy Rich Asian books. Which we'll we'll probably do an update later once you're when I've once you wrap fully up the finished it, trilogy. yeah. I'm pretty yeah. close to the end. But um they're fun, lighthearted, um but still engaging and melodramatic. Do you feel it's like the right amount of escapism right now yes. that you need? You yes. It's, Even though it's about like wealth disparity and, and all this stuff. It is. Or, it, yeah, it's definitely, um, there's an element of escapism. There's an element of uh, commentary mm -hmm. um, and just highlighting the 
the ludicrous nature of the ultra wealthy's lifestyles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know they're not difficult reads. <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah. they're you know, uh, they're very popular, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I read the first one, and I was like. I think I'm actually probably going to keep reading because <laughs> I have to know what happens. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, those are fun. And, you know, I, I picked those up because mostly because they're not something I would generally pick up. And I'm trying to diversify what I read a little bit right. to break out of the genres that I generally gravitate to. Um, and so that kind of fit the bill for multiple reasons um and just sort of i wanted something that wasn't so heavy right um so that's kind of why i went that direction and then another book i read recently was children of blood and bone um and that's the one that you're reading with sam right yeah i you read it with sam book club situation uh, yeah, kind going of on a book club situation yeah um and so is that the one that you want to talk about? You want to you want to give us a little bit on that one? Sure. Or, okay. How? Wh- I mean, I I remember your reaction because I always like one of the most memorable things of of my day sometimes is just when you're getting really close to the book. That whole week, it's like almost leading up to that, like you finishing the book, and on that one, much like some of the other ones that you've really enjoyed, you set it down and you were like, that was. <sighs> you just kind of had that, it was that a kind lot. of feel. And, and yeah. so I'm curious uh, what, so, um, what happened there. Yeah. So Children of Blood and Bone is a fantasy novel, uh, fantasy young adult novel, which is generally not what I read. Um, the rare exceptions are Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Mortal Instruments like, series and beyond name that, off I'm, like a whole bunch <laughs> and beyond those series generally I don't read fantasy but you gave it a shot so but I gave it a shot what so, was that like um it's the book is about a young girl who um comes from a long line of magical people mm-hmm. um and she lives in a world where magical people are oppressed and uh they're not allowed to be who they are. Mm. And there was like this mass genocide of the magical people. And now only the children of those people live and they're not technically magical. And essentially the story is about them, that group of people trying to get their magic back so that they can like rise up. They can rise up against Mm -hmm. the establishment, um, the monarchy. Yeah. And it's, is it a, a huge series? Like, is it is it the first of many books? This or? is the first book. I don't know how many there's going to be. There's a sequel that's available. Mm. Um, but there's like a 16-week wait on the library oh, <laughs> app. So I put a hold and it'll be ready when it's ready. Yeah. So it's still um, fairly new, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty new. The yeah. first book came out uh, in 26, 2016, I think. Okay. And this new book just came out last December. Yeah. Um. And the book is for a ch- for a for a young adult book. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> um, there's a lot of really serious topics covered in it: racism, discrimination, oppression, sexism, uh, colorism within races. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that doesn't happen often in fantasy. Um, all the characters are people of color. This is Which a world is... where 
every in this particular country in this world everyone is black who wrote the book if i may oh i want to say her name is tomi god i can't think right off the top of my head um are you googling it yeah i was gonna try to find it um yeah um while you while you're googling that um you know i got to the end of the book and um, there's a note from the author, and this isn't spoiling anything. It's very clear as you're reading the book that she's trying to make parallels to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the book, she has a like an author's note, you know, talking about how she wanted to write a book about, you know, the things that the black community is experiencing in this world. Um, and sort of make it into a, you know, to to address these issues, but in a way that is um, fantastical, you know, and, um, you know, things like police brutality and, um, you know, racism and oppression and, you know, uh, unarmed black men being shot in the streets and and that kind of thing so Um, was were those kinds of ideas so prevalent in the book that you felt that they were overt references to to those situations or just uh like an organic part of the the narrative like what was that unfolding like it was told the story is told in a way where you're so caught up in the actual world in the in the fiction of it in the fantasy of it that you're not necessarily it it doesn't feel like they're beating you over the head with it okay but you're you're understanding these themes through the world that she's created so that's the name right yeah. of the author tommy or tommy tommy adiyemi adiyemi yeah, yeah. um so, uh, if I may, I'm just interjecting here, mm-hmm. so I apologize. Tomi Adeyemi is a Nigerian-American novelist and creative writing coach. She is known for her book, Children of Blood and Bone, her first in the Legacy of Orisha trilogy. Mm. Trilogy, uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, she's, she's actually quite young. She's 26. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, which is which is pretty cool mm-hmm. to, to have, a, you know, um, a writer of color in that field in particular, mm-hmm. which seems to be sort of at the i guess i don't want to say like white dominated but there's very little white male dominated yeah mm-hmm. and and so that's pretty exciting that you know mm-hmm. there's they're starting to get a little bit more traction and mm-hmm. making some moves there um yeah um it is it was really refreshing to read a fantasy novel that was about you know people of color and it wasn't even like it was just the world that they were in, mm. you know, that it was, you know, um, everybody is black. And then you, there's sort of references to other countries like across the sea that are maybe like more like Asian cultures. Okay. Um, and there's a couple characters in this world that are, that are from those countries. Um, but generally it's a black world. Um, cool. And it's the the book and i say it's heavy because there's a lot of complicated situations there's a lot of complicated choices that the characters are forced to make mm. 
Um, and I think that that's something that Sam and I talked about a little bit when we were talking about the book was just um, that these ordinary people are put into these extraordinary circumstances and are forced to essentially save their world. Um, and they're not really given a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not really shown how they very have much to they have out. to figure they're, it out and they're thrust into these really difficult situations. Um, and, you know, these characters, these characters have experienced an incredible amount of loss and tragedy for their young age. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, it even touches on trauma and, you know, genocide and ethnic cleansing and just really heavy topics that aren't yeah. generally uh, they're they're not generally broached in young adult novels um and <clears throat> i read this book way too fast <laughs> so it's an it's a pretty long book and i only had so many days to read Before it you could return it it's yeah. incredibly That's popular why it felt that way yeah it, yeah it's when... incredibly popular and so i didn't i knew i wasn't going to be able to renew it so i <laughs> pushed through <laughs> 600 plus pages in i don't know a few days mm-hmm. and i don't generally read books that quickly um not because i can't but because i prefer not to you'd like to take your time a little, yeah, little bit maybe absorb things more fully and that kind of thing um but this book specifically i would have liked to read more slowly because it was just there's very little um pause in the action it's very like things happen very quickly and uh this author does not shy away from killing off characters so it's very emotionally draining Mm. um and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of struggle like internal struggles with the characters and their magic and who they are as a person and you know a lot of things that teenagers deal with on top of like the tragedy they're dealing with the trauma they're dealing with um and so a lot of that all of that you can see the parallels um between this world and our world in terms of you know um oppression of people of color and what that does to the mind what it does to the body what it does to the soul and um, it's it's kind of a I imagine and you'll have to tell me uh in terms of the platform that is being used like the fantasy mm-hmm. genre and its audience mm-hmm. do you think there's a benefit to to the kind of story that's being told there and the way that it's being presented that it will make an impact or inform people on on a lot of the stuff that may not may not usually get a chance to do you think that that's something that could happen with with a book like this Yeah I think so um you know, I'm. I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of people, like me, who don't look like the people in the books, mm. but at the same time, are feeling empathy, are feeling, you know, are feeling the things along with the characters in the book, and realizing like there are people in this world that are struggling, yeah, just like these people, these characters, and um. And I think getting to the end of that book and reading those author's notes, um, even if you don't pick up on it when you're reading it, which I don't know how you couldn't, but if you didn't pick up on it while you (laughs) were reading it. It's like, people did what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think it definitely could um, educate people, at least in terms of, you know, um, how things like oppression and racism and enslavement and trauma can affect, you know, an entire group of people. Um, so I don't know. I think it's when I got done with it, I had the feeling like this is a really important book. Mm. And it's really impactful. And I feel like this is going to be one of those books that um, stands out in its in its own genre and outside mm. of its own genre. Yeah. Um, like it has a chance of transforming this mm-hmm. existing genre that it's playing in, but also giving it something mm-hmm. completely new that yeah. they haven't seen before. Yeah. yeah. And I also think... Um, that representation is really important Mm -hmm. and i'm sure there are a lot of little black girls who will read this book and want to be exactly like the main character Mm. and to see themselves and i would imagine fine like for especially for like a if you think about a kid who loves fantasy yeah but doesn't see themselves in fantasy of course doesn't see themselves portrayed in fantasy like to actually have a book where the whole every character looks like that absolutely like that's important it's a very very powerful thing and i'll tell you from personal experience i mean you i mean i'm glad that we live in a day and age where we do have those characters that are available now to to young children of color because Mm -hmm. our son will be able to grow up in that kind of environment where he can look at pretty much any genre now and there should be a lead or somebody leading the story who looks like him mm-hmm. and that's you know more valuable than 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 some people um know yeah um but that's that's really exciting yeah it's pretty awesome so it's a great book um if you have young adult kids like that age i don't know that i would <laughs> I would definitely like have a, ch- a talk with them before they read it because <laughs> it's yeah. um, it deals with heavy subjects, subjects that subjects that need to be talked about, which is, but with guidance, I think, mm, you know, at least in like middle school age, if it's older, obviously kids, you know, high yeah. school kids could handle it. But I was thinking about myself if I had read this in middle school and I would be like, I'd probably want some guidance and understanding and be like, what happened? The big when? <laughs> concepts, you know. Um, but the world is so rich and original, and um, it's a very uh, fully formed. You never, you never feel like you don't understand something um, unless the character doesn't yet understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just every small detail of the story and the world is so well formed. Um, it's a really, it's an achievement in fantasy. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah. High praise. Yeah. High praise. Well, um, um, is there, is there any, any other comment that you want to make on, on this particular selection? No, not on that book. Okay, good. Well, if you want, I'm going to hold out this bottle and maybe you can tink to it if you'd like. (laughs) That's a happy tink right there. Oh, I'm also rereading it. (laughs) Sidebar. The, uh, the giant, uh the tome right (laughs) can we just call your segment like maddie's tomes (laughs) yeah Yeah. that book is massive uh but i i kind of wanted to reread it after i watched both movies 
Yeah. Um, and that's another shout out that I got to give you is you actually sat through both of those movies. And as some of you may know, Maddie usually does not do mm-mm. horror movies, scary movies. It's not her cup of tea. And for her to do that, I guess it just shows a love for the story, but also that you, you know, you do what you want. <laughs> no, it's just the, my love of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that compelled me. Yeah. That and Bill Hader. Yeah. And you and Teresa were like, let's do a shot. Let's do a shot. And <laughs> then we can watch it. Through. Yeah. A shot or two. But Bill then- Hader very much compelled me to want to see part two. Yeah. I guess we could talk about part two if you, if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, sure. Um, when we, I guess, last talked about it, it was last year when we, when we got to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad and Teresa came over and Steve as well, I believe. I can't remember. Or For part maybe, two? No, you guys went to watch it over there. Oh, didn't part you? one. Yeah. Part one, I you guys went to watch it over there. I watched it with Teresa and Brad at their house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and this time around, I mean, we got the opportunity to host them mm-hmm. and we watched it a little while back. And I guess let, let's start with what your thoughts are on it because of course I, it's more exciting to, to hear it from you because it's normally not what you watch. Mm-mm. And what was the expectation leading up to that movie? Um, I had high expectations of it cause I thought part one was really well done. Mm. Um, and you know, uh, movie adapt or book adaptations to movies are tricky and particularly tricky if the story is as long and complicated as it is. It's massive. It's massive. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it spans decades and, right. you know, it starts with them as kids and you end with them as adults. And it's, it's massive. It's a massive story and, um, and no easy feat to put on screen. Um, but I thought that the second part did a really good job of conveying the emotional toll <laughs> that it's had on, that yeah. it has had on all these kids into adulthood. Right. Um, and it's so heartbreaking to see how they grew up into... Tortured people. Into tortured people, yeah. And 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 sort of fulfilling what you thought would happen to them because of how their Mm -hmm. childhoods ended up. Yeah. You know, and um It's another uh great example of that of I guess the 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 effects of childhood trauma and just how devastating, even though they they overcame something that was, you know, more horrifying and bigger than themselves mm-hmm. and, and all of that stuff, they still have these scars that are just so and I think that's, uh, glaring. Yeah, I think that's something that Stephen King is really good at, <clears throat> is is using something terrifying, but, all, but to illustrate that that's nothing compared to what humans do to one another. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> I think that that's... <coughs> Oh, sorry, my voice is going. Uh, I think that's the scariest thing about the story is, mm-hmm. is yeah, this thing, this evil is is saturated dairy. It's just, it's in there. It's in everything and everyone. Mm. And maybe that's what's causing this. Like their connection to dairy is still, is, is still there yeah. in some shape or form. Or maybe that, that, that it is what's causing the horrible nature of the town itself. But yeah. you also kind of get the feeling that, that 
it isn't really what you should be scared of. It's other people. Yeah, it's it's sort of the the sickness of yeah. of these people having no sense of morality. Yeah. And and really being as ugly as possible as mm-hmm. human beings, which is not being a community, being yeah. individuals who are out for themselves and, and mm-hmm. following their worst possible tendencies or impulses to ruin somebody else. Yeah. Going out of their way to ruin somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that one one of my big takeaways just from the the setting, uh, which which I thought they did a really good job with with the initial scene that introduces you to the world of Derry again mm-hmm. when they beat up the um, the homo- the homosexual couple oh, yeah. at the beginning. Uh, it's so haunting mm-hmm. and so well done, and again, like brings you back to those those horrific tendencies that are just mm-hmm. ingrained into into that community mm-hmm. um but it just kind of set the tone so mm-hmm. right that i was like this is yeah. icky and and yeah you awful. almost like i guess with when when you say it like that it's almost like that the 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 terrible nature of humanity is what's keeping it going yeah you know like it's the driver it's, it's the driver like that yeah. it feeds off of that right yeah and um and i think that it's uh empowering to see these adults these broken adults mm-hmm. come back and and just say like enough is enough we like, will do it we, we will, will try to we tackle will it finish it yeah um cuz these people are you know they very easily could have just said no like that's not my job yeah not that's my problem anymore bigger than than any one of us um, but at the same time they're they are linked to it mm-hmm. they are called to it mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's it's almost one of those things where they have to go back to meet their fate mm-hmm. are they going to allow this to happen to somebody else mm-hmm. or will they actually do something to I guess to to really overcome those scars, mm-hmm. that's the only way that they'll be able to do it, and that's what they had to face. Mm-hmm. Um, but the performances, and that's what I really enjoyed about this movie. And you mentioned that it wasn't as scary as the first one, which I do mm-hmm. agree. But it led to more nuanced performance, to letting the actors do what they do best and give you that investment. And so I like that it wasn't cheap thrills. I like mm-hmm. that it wasn't strictly a, a scary movie it was I mean, definitely a drama yeah it was a drama with with horror elements and it worked really well but but again i'm a sucker for at least in looking at the film version of it multiple leading people mm-hmm. like ensemble work and that was just great yeah ensemble work that was fun to watch mm-hmm. and I, I don't know i'm just a sucker for that sort of mm-hmm. thing where you have four or five people who are leading the charge instead yeah. of just one person. And it's, they're all really strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, Bill Hader, and, and a couple a other couple actors of, that I don't recognize, but yeah, were really good. All very good. <clears throat> and of course, yeah. uh, uh, what's I'm blanking on the scars. Guard. Scars guard. Alexander. Alexander. Alexander's, one of like seven or yeah. whatever, however many there are. All, all, all these of like actors, <laughs> yeah, wonderfully talented uh, actors from the yeah, Scar Scar Tree. He's great. Oh, Phoebe just laid right here. Look, <laughs> oh. she fell asleep on me. Um, 
but they they were just very captivating and that's that's what you want in a great movie but that was good directing i mean yeah solid a solid adaptation in mm-hmm. terms of keeping the characters true to who they were in the in the novel now yeah for me it's it's been it's been a really long time since i've read it mm-hmm. i mean speaking of of parents who should talk to their kids about what to read and not to read my parents weren't paying attention to what i was reading yeah and i mean they were just happy that i was trying to learn english and, and trying yeah. to you know get shit done that Being way proactive yeah but i i think i read it like in early high school like i shouldn't have been no i think you know, early like, high school is yeah well i don't know how early like ninth grade yeah like ninth or tenth grade yeah it's pushing I was, it but yeah i <laughs> It's just like I'm gonna go little, to hell for this. A little traumatizing, <laughs> yeah. maybe at that age. Yeah, but, you know. By by then, I I had read. Yeah, you know, I'd read The Shining. I'd read Carrie. Mm. I'd gotten into. Yeah, you were seasoned. You, know, you were. Ready. I was. Yeah, I was ready to go by seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> but it, it was. Um, How old were you when you read The Shining? I was in seventh grade. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, rough. and, and <laughs> that's I was too just, young. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I would read at night because we were a TV family, so we yeah. would always watch TV. And usually, like nine or ten o'clock, you know, me, I still want to keep going. Mm-hmm. I still want to be up and about, and so I would read, you know, couple, couple of pages, you know, at night, and then The Shining went by pretty mm-hmm. quick. It was the best. Yeah, I've. Um... And then I put it down. I said, "There's no God." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I'm. I'm done. I, yeah, I read. Uh, but I, I know English. So I know great. English now, and you know really good English because Stephen King is a good writer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read it way later in life, um, and because my mom was very aware of what I was reading, because <laughs> she had read all Jesus. of them already, so she yeah. knew what I couldn't couldn't read. Um, but yeah, I read it. A couple years ago for the first time but i listened to it the first time Mm. um which is terrifying um (laughs) it's a terrifying experience um and that's really the only book so far that has really freaked me out um what was it about it and and we've talked about this a little bit but i I just want to revisit that for the sake of of i i think it's just the I don't know. I think it's the. Is it the size of the of the of yeah. the fear? Is it the size of the it, the horror that yeah. it doesn't have a, a it's, tangible? It's pretty um, cosmic. Yeah, it's big. It's um, big stuff. And I also think that Pennywise is a really well formed terror, mm-hmm. and not because he's a clown. But because because it's like what would you say like amorphous? He's like amorphous. It, it, yeah, he yeah. he can change according to what scares you, according to what what is the worst thing. Well, you know what it is too, and and this is just again gr- the great writing mm-hmm. that that Stephen King came up with is it is a pathway. Mm-hmm. into your fear right yeah. so when there is that sort of transition between one kind of terror for mm-hmm. for one of the characters to another 
you're still injecting your own mm -hmm. stuff in there. So it's it's so freeform mm -hmm. that you can place a lot of yourself into the into the material. Yeah. Whereas, you know, other types of enemies or antagonists in, in books are more well defined. Yeah. That they don't leave you I mean I'm sure Guessing. that yeah, like good writing yeah. of course, you know, will give you those avenues, mm -hmm. but this is legitimately the the core of what it is. Mm -hmm. The core of the, what that particular antagonist is so mm -hmm. it yeah i mean you're you're spot on yeah. i also think there's elements of um like the stuff that's left behind like the balloon okay just floating okay but it's like foreshadowing you know it's it's the idea that there are traces of it around mm. you know like even if it's not there you're turning around and there's a red balloon in the corner and you're like, oh, fuck, like, you know, or this... you turn or, or you're in the bathroom and there's blood in the sink mm -hmm. or it's just like these little. And I think, you're, yeah, maybe you're referring to the buildup of this particular terror or. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the the there's these, the anticipation of, of it. Yeah. And there's yeah. the it, they're innocuous. They're just just like these what normally wouldn't be. These anything are, yeah like ordinary happenings become yeah and these, i think these that's horrific... the scary thing is it's ordinary mm. so like you you know a library suddenly becomes scary yeah you know <laughs> like, right or uh you know a dark room or a yeah. window that's you and know. that's that's a beautiful thing yeah because yeah. we're talking about uh great storytelling is the transformation of the ordinary mm -hmm. right into something something transcendent something mm -hmm. big and and horrifying or mm -hmm. fun fun yeah. again yeah. yeah um but the movie itself i think carries that same spirit too mm -hmm. uh in the way that it is playful it doesn't take itself seriously yeah. it, it has great humor yeah like throughout the whole thing it even really leading does. up to that climax there's even moments where like you're laughing at pennywise like yeah. this is insanity yeah yeah but, but it's fun and it's yeah. engaging and it's uh the the kind of captivating that that you wouldn't have in like a straight genre movie like mm -hmm. in in like a well i guess in in horror and comedy still kind of go together you know that oscar so we're back we just had to make sure that uh the cats weren't killing each other oh there's one it's <laughs> gonna try to climb up here no come over here come over here dude there you go forget about that <laughs> He'll go into the furnace. Yeah. That, that'll be great. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you were saying uh, in terms of... You're just making ordinary things seem terrifying. Yeah. It's something that Stephen King is really good at. Mm -hmm. And that translated really well into a movie. I think so, too. Um, and it was, a, it was a pretty damn good adaptation. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it cut down to the core of it. Yeah. And uh, I might be getting into a little bit of the spoilers, but at the end, I was almost surprised that they went all out and they still gave you a glimpse of what was, and again, spoilers, what was inside Pennywise. Mm -hmm. Like they, they still gave you a little bit of the mythology mm -hmm. that Stephen King built into the narrative of the, you know, again, the more cosmic element of what mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. They had to do it. Yeah. But... I, I would imagine that maybe some 
executive in the middle of the development of this thing would have said that might be too much or that might take away mm-hmm. you know some of the some of the nature of of it mm-hmm. um but i was kind of surprised with that and happy with that, that yeah. they kept it because it, it goes like it goes to to a great existential level yeah and and I don't know. I just thought it was it was just a little hint of yeah. it. They didn't just like, you know, spill it out for you or, yeah, or yeah. whatever, but mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I'm um I'm excited to reread it to kind of see cuz the book the book is so full of detail. Mm-hmm. And it's great in terms of creating a picture. Right. But I would even I'm sure maybe even Stephen King would say maybe it's a little much, you know. <laughs> Well, and I think it, it, I think like that and like the stand mm-hmm. are some of his longest books. They, and there's even yeah. a longer version of the stand that is unedited. Yeah, it's the uncut. Yeah. And so And you know why they why they cut it, right? They couldn't physically print that book. Oh yeah, because it they, was just yeah, too it was much. just too fucking big. Yeah. yeah. Um, um so I mean, to some degree the movie is yeah, is the story pared down to very much abridged in a way that that you was know. still pleasing, right? Right. Um, but I'm excited to really dig into the just the detail, the just right. incredible detail that Stephen King is able to inject into the book. I think we have it on audiobook too. Mm. I think I might have the, the audiobook, audiobook if you, is good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, yeah, it's time for me to swing back. But we were talking about um, another one that your your coworker had mentioned too that we have here that I might pick up. Desperation. Um, either de- yeah, desperation or well, The Martian. I wanted to read The Martian because mm-hmm. I I hadn't gotten a chance to yet. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe I'll I'll pick it up in the audiobook because I know that we have a whole bunch that mm-hmm. um, that we can probably read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's I I think that the the success of it the movie is the ability to to give you the impression of a lot mm-hmm. a lot of mythology a lot of world a lot of setting into you know in a compact mm-hmm. um, package yeah you know the way movies are but it was very successful mm-hmm. and the payoff worked yeah. in my opinion yeah. Um, and it's damn good acting. Yeah. They really knock it out of the park. And that's so good to see again in a, in an ensemble that, I mean, to be honest with you, the kids in the first movie set such a fucking high bar that they really had to get like a listers Mm -hmm. to come in and get the job done. Yeah. I think if it wasn't a horror movie, it probably would have been Oscar considered. Yeah. Yeah. But they always get the short end, uh, short end of the stick and it's very disappointing Mm -hmm. because there's more truth in genre Mm -hmm. than drama yeah like pretty much like we were talking about just now and it's a good pairing the fantasy you know Mm -hmm. of of the book that you're reading and also horror films they will give you Mm -hmm. they will give you the truth yeah in a way that you like to hear it right and then just when you're feeling comfortable, they're like, no, it was all you. You <laughs> fucked up this society. Mm-hmm. Do something. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's horror activism. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, secret messages to get mm. you up off your couch and uh, start, you know, doing something. Was that something. like Dawn of the Dead? Well, I, 
there's there's always elements of that but yeah dawn of the dead is would be a pretty good example in mm -hmm. that george romero saw the the nature of consumerism in this country mm -hmm. and he said there there's a metaphor there there's mm -hmm. a way a, a way for me to tell this truth in in a different clothing mm -hmm. and that's all genre is that's all the best kinds of stories are um but they yeah it's it's very much that case mm. they should give them scary oscars that's yeah. what we should do let's do scary oscars 2021 <laughs> there should be a horror film category yeah if like, they don't want to give them no, the real awards no but musicals we'll give it to la la land yeah. why not yeah but maybe i should just watch the fucking movie and don't the... you mean moonlight well moon oh god <laughs> la la land didn't uh, win babe <laughs> yeah i know but i'm just i'm just saying i know it, it was a darling it, it was went, yeah it was a darling film yeah but i mean we we were all warren Beatty, just like shocked in our face just gaunt with you know uh -huh. the Regret. heaviness of the mistake yeah it's like <laughs> i made a huge mistake <laughs> oh my god yeah just just calling back to to uh an era when they would have old people like mm. warren Beatty do that i don't know why they put him in that position honestly like he's so old yeah i mean if if not that it's well they gave him know. the wrong envelope he yeah, didn't even, it he, wasn't even his he fault didn't, he didn't miss it wasn't even it. His, his fault yeah it was some fucking pa in the back oh god <laughs> misprint or something yeah. and that shit's rigged i mean at this point i i don't believe in anything anymore so it's just like <laughs> the oscars are rigged you know my mm -hmm. yeah my dream show at once a year mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a farce mm -hmm. just like you know uh horse racing and, and boxing and mm -hmm. you know baseball baseball soccer the fifa world cup <laughs> like everything everything is just a sham mm. but on to happier news let's talk about Shit's creek okay guys if you haven't seen the finale now's the time to turn us off chuck your headsets out the window <laughs> this will not this will be one of the only times we tell you to turn it off before we're done but now's the time okay with that said how much did you cry <laughs> i didn't cry that much but it's only because <laughs> i bottle it up like a good repressed irish person <laughs> um it was really great it was a really great it was a good payoff finale yeah and uh just going back a little bit because it's been about six months or maybe seven months since we first talked about the show it grew on us so much that it became a staple of our week mm -hmm. is we would have to continue watching uh no matter what mm -hmm. and luckily we timed it in that Shit's Creek ended like the run was was ending that they had on Netflix, mm -hmm. and then the last season picked up. So we were watching the episodes it was live, just like a month or so. Yeah, after uh, and we, we we suffered only a month <laughs> without yeah. Shit's Creek. Um, and I I tend to say this a lot, but I just I don't have any investment in shows, mm -hmm. you know, that run longer than than a couple of series. I just don't. It's not my thing. It's not my kind of storytelling. Um, I'd rather watch a movie, mm -hmm. right? Or um, a modestly sized series. But that reeled me in. Mm -hmm. And we had a great time. In the beginning, I wasn't sure that it was... It just seemed too nice. Mm -hmm. Like in the beginning, it just seemed like, well, you know, it's... it's Where's the conflict? 
kind of but it's like it's a nice show mm-hmm. you know it's you know i'm having a good time i'm smiling but it's not an extreme of like ha 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 or you know a family drama or, or anything like that it's just kind of squarely gently in the middle and as it went on it 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 grew and it it has a shape of its own now like the later seasons were stronger because yes it was funnier but the characters were were more settled in mm-hmm. and they were more courageous mm-hmm. in who they were that's that's what it felt like to me and i guess it i guess it was exemplified in just kind of david like that was really the it started rallying around his emotional commitments mm-hmm. you know and and growing that way and i guess all the characters had that kind of, of journey the it was expansive enough that all of them have the had those moments but um i thought that david and alexis were the ones that that grew and maybe you i guess you could say that maybe alexis had like the most you know growth I think, but yeah I, I mean i think david and think? i think david and alexis were equally terrible <laughs> in the beginning yeah yeah um and they both had these just expansive uh changes of heart mm-hmm. um but at the same time i thought what's so incredible about the show is that you don't lose the core of who they are yeah it's just yeah their priorities change and their you well, know they, they found kindness they found yeah. they found each other and in, in in the most organic way Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the the interesting thing about it just from a from a story element i mean you you start at the beginning and some shows have to get to some kind of um falsely manufactured conflict Mm -hmm. to get to point a to point b to a little bit of a lesson was learned here and this show felt like it took its time Mm -hmm. to grow so like you could feel like these were actual people taking their time to learn these lessons Mm -hmm. and i don't know how that happened i don't know how they they were able to give us that that kind of investment and i only see that now that the show is over that Mm -hmm. they took their time getting there and if you look and and we were going to do this but i'm very curious to see the last episode again and the first episode yeah because that's that's just the telling nature of the journey Mm -hmm. just right then and there those bookends will give you you know uh, a really solid snapshot of of the wonderful development that they went through Mm -hmm. uh and it was it was a joy Mm -hmm. it was a joy and i i didn't mean that with this show i think um the there was a lot of like um satisfying payoffs Mm -hmm. but for me like the most emotional thing about the end, like about the journey of the show is how like close they grow as a family. Yeah. Cause I think like the most heartbreaking episode for me was the episode where Johnny is reminiscing about their old Christmas parties oh, yeah, yeah, and that just, was... and how like they were so extravagant, but at the end of the night, what he remembers is that they were apart on Christmas. Right. You know, Moira's fucking taking her sleeping her pills, pills and like yeah. she has to go up and David and Alexis have already jetted off to wherever mm-hmm. with Stavros. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and it was just like so heartbreaking to see Johnny like at, at his peak yeah. of wealth and, and fame and success but he was so unhappy yeah he was so sad yeah and then to see him 
I think it, I want to say it's the second or the third season where they have that little Christmas party mm. in their, ho- in their motel room uh-huh. and they're together. Right. You know, and, and their family is growing, you know, Patrick is there and Stevie is there mm-hmm. and everybody's there. And like to just see like, so that episode and then just see the, you know, like, when Alexis might go to the Galapagos with Ted and like mm-hmm. all that stuff where there's the possibility of them separating again. And there's moments where those possibilities surface, but they always make the choice to stay to together stay for family. Yeah. Um, until the very, very end when they kind of have to go their separate ways. Yeah. But at that time they've learned, but at that time, the importance of yeah, it. And you know that they're going to, it's going to be different this time and they'll be okay and they'll be okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they won't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's almost like <laughs> just talking about it previously. It's like the town was the opposite of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of Dairy Maine. Yeah. Where, Schitt's Creek is yeah. the opposite of, of Dairy <laughs> Maine. Yeah. You, you have these, you know, these people who are, you know, down to earth and, and very kind and welcoming. And that is infectious. Mm-hmm. That, transformed them yeah. into into I really better did. versions of themselves. Shit's Creek transformed <laughs> the roses. Yeah. yeah. Uh but I don't know. There there's just so many great moments. I, I just have to highlight one of my favorites is the um um what do you call it? The their version of the nine inch nails medley. <laughs> the Jazzagals. The Jazzagals version of of uh I want to kiss you like an animal and, and just that medley is, I was, I was on the floor. It was was killing me. It was such a good Um, bit. But now you, you look at that with so, with such endearment that, Mm uh, I am, I'm curious to watch the show again. Mm -hmm. So we should watch it. Are we on the third time round? If we started again, we started a second time because we, but then we had to stop because we normally, we did the shit's Creek pub quiz. Remember the themed quiz. And so we tried to rewatch it and we failed. But I think we, we should, had like two weeks I, though. I, I, I mean, know it, it wasn't yeah. enough time. We should we should just rewatch it all. Yeah, well, um, we'll probably know. be doing that here soon. Uh, yeah, I don't know when they're gonna throw the sixth season up on Netflix, but probably maybe later this year. Yeah. Um, but just yeah, I I think that's um, that's pretty much what I had with it. I mean, just just that that sense of uh, actual things paying off for them. Mm-hmm. And I I felt satisfied. I mean, mm-hmm. I could have used another episode. You know, could always use another. Episode. But you can, yeah, exactly. You can say that about mm-hmm. the good shows, the ones that you miss. Um, that they did like a little hour long documentary that they yeah. aired right after the finale aired, and um, it was pretty much just like them talking about developing the show and mm-hmm. trying to get the show on TV in Canada and um you know casting the show and just um i don't know it was fun to see um to see the actors to, outside yeah, of their element yeah and to yeah. just see how like it, it came together and um it's cool to see like Dan and Eugene Levy like working together right. like must have been a really like interesting experience to work with family like and sarah levy too mm-hmm. so it's the two kids and the dad all working and i think one of their cousins or uncles produced mm-hmm. it too um but I, I thought it was so it was just very telling that 
there there was a good creative bond mm-hmm. and i don't know i just i just think eugene levy is is such a he's he's a talent mm-hmm. i mean a great talent and um just with in his star power i mean he was able to make this happen i thought and that they was, roped Catherine o'hara into it yeah yeah just, that um, just elevated everything right but my favorite thing was the the stories of of casting like mm-hmm. casting yeah anecdotes uh just because the the casting process is so pivotal Mm -hmm. to getting the show right Mm -hmm. and it could have been like missed opportunities you know some people that may or may not have been cast but this felt like everything was happening you know in the right Mm -hmm. in the right uh one of my one of my favorite stories was annie murphy Mm -hmm. telling how she was like about ready to like go back to Canada. Like she'd been <laughs> yeah. like, she hadn't worked in like two years. Right. And she was like, yeah, I'm pretty much, I was pretty much done. I'm going home. And yeah, then I this got bullshit. this part and it yeah. was just like, yeah, I'm like, I wonder how often that happens. Like every day people are just like done. They've been at it for five, 10 years, 20 years, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. It, and then they finally get their break, you know, like it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's probably it's the lot. other thing thing that does that happens more often where you've been at it for 10 years and then you go home yeah but but that's that's the beauty of it so it was a it was a great bonus episode that they threw at us to sort of calm us down but in the in the heat of it so we were um looking for the episodes Mm -hmm. um and we ended up getting a hulu subscription for the the last last couple Mm -hmm. and that was wonderful mm-hmm. until the moment i forgot to cancel the trial and <laughs> now we have who live <laughs> so i've been catching up on you know my stories and mm-hmm. american ninja warrior <laughs> uh, i didn't know i needed that in my life yeah um but schitt's creek has been a wonderful show and we can't recommend it enough mm-hmm. so you guys should get out there and uh and watch it it's the best yeah so we're gonna tink one last time one big tink over Oscar's, over Os- Oscar sleeping. Oh, he's not sleeping. He's taking Look care of himself. Leg. He's cleaning. But that's about all we had. I think that this is this is a good uh, trial run for the new setup down here in the basement. And uh, do you have any final words before we wrap this thing up? No, I think uh, I think I'm good. I'm as comfy as I'll ever be doing a podcast. I'm wondering if our episodes are going to be longer because we're more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like upstairs, like last time, it like was like, wrap it up. It was 20 minutes because I was in that hard folding chair. How horrible. You can't, you can't podcast like that. It's not, it's not the soul of the podcast. Yeah. The soul of it is to be like half asleep and have <laughs> these like existential mm-hmm. epiphanies and then laugh about everything. Mm-hmm. But we'll leave you to it. Go live your best lives and uh, let us know what you think about the the program uh, at our email. I believe it's, uh, what is it? Our kids asleep at gmail.com and also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love you guys. Take care. Wash your damn hands. Wash your hands. Don't look at people in the eye <laughs> and wear have your, a great- Wear your mask. Wear your masks. Be a ninja. Have a great night. Good night, guys.